0: You're listening to a podcast from Harvest Bible Chapel, Kelowna. For more information about our church, please visit HarvestKelowna.ca. Heavenly Father, I pray even now as we take your word and as we open it and as we see your word come alive and how we go through verses of your word and, and see how helpful it is. For us today to live out our lives, to live out our faith for you with power and with boldness. Father, I pray that these just wouldn't be words that we hear, but we would be transformed by the renewing of our mind through the Word of God, through the Spirit of God as we live lives that are in deep connection with you, Lord Jesus. And in order for that connection to begin, it starts with worship. It's adoring you and that's what we've been doing here today and so we pray that our hearts and our lives would be pre- be prepared to respond to your truth for us today and so we give you all the glory for what you are going to do in and through us in this church in our city and around the world thank you for what started out 2,000 years ago as a small little flame in Jerusalem grew into a wildfire that has transformed and has changed the world it has affected us here, the gospel being taken to the ends of the earth through faithful people because of your word being proclaimed and your word being received, and may that happen here in our midst today. And may it spread throughout this city, all corners of this city, this province, and around this world through change lives today. Affect our neighborhoods and our workplaces and our schools, Lord, by your spirit, through our words boldness that would come from you and bring that transformation in and through us to the to those around us we pray in jesus name amen you can take your bibles and you can turn to acts chapter 4 we'll be looking at that in a few moments but first of all i want to start out with a little bit of a question for you how many of you have had in your lifetime a recurring dream or a nightmare have you ever had something like that happen? And oftentimes, it's, it's of something maybe that is upcoming, something that you are concerned about or something you're worried about and you have this dream or nightmare and then you end up waking up from it and you're like, oh, no, you know, and, and it, it just, you just you might even be in a cold sweat or something like that and, and when you wake up from it, it's like, oh, not this dream or this nightmare again. Sometimes... Um, it can just be a, a real-life reoccurring problem or a pain or something that you thought was solved or was over, and it comes back, and you're like, oh, not this again. This is terrible. A few weeks ago, we had one of those reoccurring little nightmares in our life as, as our, one of our vehicles was having some problems, and, and actually Charlotte was having problems getting it here to church one day, and it turned out it needed a tune-up to the tune of about $600, something we weren't very excited about. And the warning light, it was on, and I found out afterwards that when the warning light is flashing, <laughs> you really shouldn't drive it any further. And so, anyways, the, the uh, vehicle got fixed, and I was so thankful, and it was running. It, it needed a tune-up. You didn't realize how badly out of, out of tune it was until it got tuned up, and I was just so thankful. But the very next day, the light started flat uh, went on again. I'm like, oh, and I phoned, $500 again and we're just like oh my my goodness i mean i I mean is this going to keep on going get it repaired charlotte pays goes pays that bill (laughs) let her take care of that one and uh charge it And, and and then the next day she texts me coming home from work and says the light's on again and we're like oh no not again not this again and it's this reoccurring problem but thankfully the next day it went off and it's it's been good ever since maybe it just doesn't work anymore i don't know but we're driving the car I, you know, Another reoccurring problem or issue sometimes for me is that I have a wonderful ability of losing my wallet or my credit card or my debit card, sometimes leaving it in, in a machine or in a bank machine or just wherever, and, um, and, and, and I sometimes get to hear from my family. Uh, oh, no, not this again. Dad, when are you ever going to learn? Or Meldon, you know, and, and so sometimes we have these reoccurring kind of things. Maybe it's a, the return of a health problem, something that we thought was, was solved, was taken care of, and it's come back. Or maybe you're an Edmonton Euler fan, and it's season after season of just reoccurring losing, and you're just like, oh, not this again. And, and if you're like me, you have pretty much quit watching them and have just kind of decided to, to just not ride a bang, bandwagon in hockey at this time um you know what we have these reoccurring things that that happen in our lives and in acts chapter 4 we see some guys who are kind of like oh not this again this is terrible and in acts chapter 4 the teachers of the law those who are working at the temple are facing this oh no not again situation they thought they had just nicely gotten rid of jesus he was taken care of. He was causing a bit of an uproar. But this Jesus from Nazareth was, was a real pain to them. But then the problem was solved. And and phew, and, now we can get life back to normal, how it was before. In the temple and, and life is good. And All of a sudden now there's these disciples of Jesus and, and there's some kind of interesting, kind of crazy things that are going on and, and crowds are starting to gather and communities are are being formed and, and it's creating quite a buzz in Jerusalem and 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 it, it, it looked like it was over and done but now again their their power and their control over things was being threatened and, and they were no doubt starting to think, not this again, what are we gonna do? And so So they end up arresting Peter and John. And we talked a little bit about that last week. And they throw them in jail for a night. And in the morning, they're brought before the council, probably up to about 72, Sanhedrin and scribes and chief priests and all his family and and this crowd that they're standing before. And they say to them, whose name are you doing this miracle in? This this lame guy, this crippled guy that was, was healed, whose name did you do it in? Because authority, the name by which you do something, spoke volumes and there they said we did it in the name of jesus christ of nazareth like oh that jesus guy not this again and so peter responds to them and and gives them just the gospel and he shares and he tells them no other name by which you can be saved the only the only name is jesus and and so it's in verse 13 where we're going to pick this up we covered the the verses before that last week but verse 13 this is probably one of my favorite verses in the New Testament, if not all of the Bible, just as far as me personally, and, and just the comfort and, and the encouragement that it gives to me, and, and, and the hope that it gives to me, and I think probably to, to all of us here today, because it, it's a powerful passage, especially here in verse 13, and, and then we'll, we'll get through the rest of it as well. But in, in verse 13, it says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men they were astonished and they recognized that they had been with jesus uneducated ordinary common men this verse i believe gives give, gives us hope in so many different ways how many of us i wonder at times are crippled or are being kept from being used by God because of fears, because of inadequacy, because thinking we're not qualified, we don't know enough. I have a past. I've been involved in this before. I'm too new. I don't know enough. God can never use me. But then you have the story of Peter and John, ordinary, simple fishermen who weeks earlier fled and ran from Jesus when the opposition and the danger presented itself they took off and now we are seeing them being used in a powerful way and and this goes a long ways to 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 just show us that god uses uneducated people he also uses educated people he uses both he uses all of us wherever we may see ourselves and the problem is we may see ourselves differently than how other people see ourselves but our view of ourselves oftentimes can really limit what we do for god because we get so paralyzed and 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 kind of that paralysis almost by analysis of just examining our lives and thinking, well, what could I ever do? But God uses the educated as well as the uneducated. He uses the educated, we see, by the guy who wrote the book of Acts, Dr. Luke. He was a medical doctor. He wrote the the gospel of Luke, and he wrote the book of Acts here. He He was a medical doctor, and usually... Medical doctors who practice medicine are usually fairly smart. So, so we see uneducated fishermen being used. We see the educated doctor being used by God. And oftentimes these two mindsets, though, can cripple us. I'm underqualified. You can never do that. Or I'm overqualified. I'm overqualified. That job, that task, what you're asking me to do, what they want me to do. Are you kidding me? Are you... I'm a doctor or I've been in this for a long time and, and, and that's below me. I, I mean, I've put in my time. I've put in my time of service. I've worked in the trenches. I have my degree. I've served on this board or this committee. You want me to do what? Are you serious? I mean, th- that, that just might be a little bit below me and, and below my pay grade if you want to say it that way. You know, for me to do something like that, that would be a blow to my pride your what? Yeah, exactly. Your pride. You really want to put this kind of thinking to the test in your life? Plant a church. Be part of a church plant. Battle the wars of at times feeling incredibly underqualified and thinking, I don't know what I'm doing. Or battle the wars of thinking, I'm too qualified to do this kind of a thing or what's being asked of me i mean this has been a battle i mean and, and it hit me really hard just before launch i mean there, there's times where you can get feeling kind of sorry for yourself or overwhelmed and 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 start thinking you know I, i've been in ministry for for like 20 some years i mean i'm used to to preaching to to hundreds in in multiple services and now it's to dozens sure um I'll be honest with you. I'd love to show up on a Sunday morning, an hour before the service, have a few little prayers and walk up on stage and preach rather than being here assisting and training and, and just being part of what goes on. Sure, I mean, I want comfort. We all want comfort, and I'd love to be home on a couch at 12.30 Sunday afternoon part ways already into my Sunday afternoon. I deserve a little comfort in my life, don't I? I deserve a little bit of ease. These are the kind of thinking that, that can be so dangerous that we've bought into, especially in North America. we bought into this, I can climb this, this ladder and, and, you know, the bigger, the better. It's kind of like leapfrogging from one thing that's bigger and bigger and bigger and continuing on in that way. That's the world's economy. Kingdom economy is quite a bit different. The kingdom of Jesus economy is an upside-down economy. But it is the only way to power. It is the only way to a transformed and a changed life. Look at Jesus. I mean, the example that he set in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. This is the upside-down economy that I'm talking about. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves which is yours in Christ Jesus, who thought he was in the who though he was in the very form of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in human likeness, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. You think Jesus... I mean, the king of kings, the son of God, he comes to this earth, and what is he? A king? Huh. A servant. Washing his disciples' dirty, disgusting, probably fungus-filled feet. He was there to care for people and to love them. and not he, he didn't come to be served, but to serve. He set the example for us. And this is the example that we are to follow, whether it's in the home or in the workplace. There should be no job in the workplace that is too much above or below you. And especially the below one. We can serve. We can, can, can show an example at work, in the home, whatever it might be. Christ sacrificed it all and was such an example to us. I, I just love this verse here about the ordinary common man and and i can't help but think i mean just the 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 side that kind of looks for humor in my life and, and and there's quite a good side to that oftentimes i i couldn't help but think later on when when uh, peter was reading the book of luke after luke had published it i guess you could say or, or i mean had written it and he's reading like he's reading through the accounts of acts one acts two acts three he's like thanks a lot luke ordinary common basically you're calling me you know what not the sharpest knife in the drawer or you know what you're calling me maybe a few fries short of a happy meal i I don't know i mean he probably wasn't too impressed by this but i couldn't help but just to think what what he thought when when he read that and yet you know what i thought yeah it's true you can use me and why and how can we be used by the lord it's because of the very next verse. They had been with Jesus. That changes it all. That changes it in your life. That changes it in my life. They had been with Jesus. And when we are with Christ, when Christ is in us, it's different. They identified these chief priests, these Sadducees, these scribes. They, as they huddled together, they, they were talking, and, and it's, there's something about these guys. Yes, they had been with Jesus for three, three and a half years, and oftentimes when you spend a lot of time with a person, you often start to resemble that person. You end up sounding like that person. If, if you go down to the United States, to the southern states for a number of years, say like four years for college, um, as we've had some friends visiting in the last week, and And you end up sounding a little bit like the people that live down there you get a little bit of that accent from them or if you come to western canada maybe you get the western canadian accent that's here when you're spending time with people you start becoming like them you sound like them you start acting like them it happens all the time it happens to to couples couples who are married i mean take a look at this couple they're a married couple. They're not brother and sister. Look, they're starting to look alike. You know, maybe you're even attracted to it. I mean, this is a real legit kind of situation. Uh, how about this next one? I mean, here, here, yeah, of course, you know, I mean, gorgeous couple. But oftentimes, the longer that you spend time with someone, and and I went online and I found some hilarious pictures of seniors that have grown I, I'm to look very much alike because they have spent some time together. And, and there's actually even some scientific proof for this. But even if you spend a lot of time maybe with your pet, you could end up looking like your pet, you know. Like, isn't that great? You know what? Just, I mean, how, how about this next one? This one's even better. I love it. You know, you go to the same hairdresser. Two for one deal, perhaps. I, I, I'm not really sure on that. But, but in all seriousness, studies have shown that couples who are together for many years, in fact, start to look like one another researchers and i mean there's research done on everything so of course they've done some research on this they say that older couples look more and more alike because people that are in contact with one another you start mimicking one another oftentimes one's facial expression so in other words if your partner has a good sense of humor and laughs a lot he or she will probably develop laugh lines similar to your laugh lines and so you might call them wrinkles or others may call them wrinkles you can just call them laugh lines and and there's something that starts happening you start resembling one another well Peter and John perhaps it was the look in their eyes when they spoke maybe it was the the, with the authority that they spoke there was something about them that these guys had huddled together after kind of giving it to them a little bit and said there's something about these guys They resemble, they look like, they sound like There's something that they have been with Jesus. And so that alarmed them and caused them some pretty major concern. These guys have been with Jesus. They watched him. They learned from him. They listened from him. They walked with him. They had been changed by him. They had been transformed by him. And now they were full of him through the power of the Holy Spirit. And you see, we have this so mixed up in our society, especially here in North America. We think that Jesus is here to bless me, to bless my life, to help me when I'm in trouble. He's my 911 call. He's kind of there just on the side and and wants to just be there to to bless me, to help me whenever I need it, to give me my best now or to make it so that every day is a Friday. Jesus just kind of follow me around, be my homeboy. You know, sometimes you end up hearing and that just drives me, me crazy when I hear people talk about him in that way. Just kind of come along. And how many of you have heard of Twitter? I'm sure you've all heard of it. Maybe you don't understand it very much. But, but Twitter is something that, um, you know, a lot of people can be on. And I happen to be on Twitter. And whenever I get a new follower on Twitter that somebody's going to follow you and kind of, I don't know, kind of think that you might have something wise to say or something. And, and Harvest Kelowna has a Twitter account. So I encourage you to follow it if, 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 if you are on Twitter. And and but one day I really got quite a, a, a ter- ter- tremendous kind of smirk, and I just I thought, oh, I've got to save this one because this, though it's kind of weird how it happened, it kind of states in a very real way a little bit about our society and how oftentimes we think of Jesus. Because I get an email email notification that I have a new follower on Twitter. Take a look at my new follower, Meldon Lutzer. You have a new follower on Twitter. It's Jesus Christ. Somebody who set up a Twitter account, and they've called themselves Jesus Christ. I think they're from Chicago. I don't know very much about it, but this person tweets a lot of Bible verses and then a lot of other garbage. So, of course, I haven't followed him, but he's following me on Twitter. But I kind of thought, you know what? But this is the way we often see it. Jesus, just follow me. Follow me, Jesus. I'm going over here. Just follow me. Keep me happy. Keep me healthy. Keep me safe, Jesus. Come on. Come on, Jesus. Follow me. And that's so backwards. That's so wrong. That's wrong kind of thinking. He doesn't even want to be beside you. He wants to be inside you through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the difference that these scribes and teachers of the law saw. They knew they were in trouble because it wasn't just Jesus around them. Jesus was inside them. And this was causing them some major, major issues and some big-time troubles. No, Jesus was no longer beside them. He was no longer walking with them. He ascended up to heaven, but on the day of Pentecost, he came and dwelt them. And here's the thing, folks, whether you are uneducated or educated, whether you are qualified or unqualified, whether you feel like you are strong or you feel you are weak, whether you have a stellar past or a painful past, whether you are old or you're young, it's you're not going to last in the Christian life with Jesus beside you or just thinking he's someone, who's a dude who's going to follow you. He wants to be inside of you. And that starts in the personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Do you know him? Do you know him as your personal Lord and Savior? Have you invited him into your life? But as believers in Christ, are you full of him? Have you invited him in on a daily basis to be... Filled with the power of the Holy Spirit because Jesus tells us, apart from me, you can do nothing. And daily, we need to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And we see the difference that it happens. Daily being filled. Philippians 4.13 then can be a reality in our lives. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen? Uneducated, common, ordinary men, but they had been with Jesus and that changed everything. And so this morning we're going to look at this, the rest of this passage and we are going to see what happens to a life that is in Christ. A life that is in the process of being changed and transformed and we're going to see it in the life of the disciples. This is why we take the bible and we take verses and, and we work through it instead of just kind of going all over the place and bouncing back and forth we you need to see the truths that there is and the benefits and see what happens to a life that is in christ simply from this passage there's other benefits from other passages but this is the beauty of this kind of examination of god's word and so the first thing that we end up seeing in here is that there's boldness to speak the truth the religious leaders in verses 14 and 15 they gather together and 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 they're looking. I mean, I just think this would be be pretty funny how, how this would work out. Um, Matt, can you come here? And Joel, can you come here for a second? I mean, pretend you guys are Peter and John. You guys didn't know we we're really doing this, but you know, and, and you guys are looking pretty serious because year before, you know what the the teachers of the law and uh, you know and and so let's let's pretend these are the teachers of the law, the people you're facing, and so you've got a little bit of a fear you know, what? on your faces, they're kind of giving it to you just like they give it to me on a Sunday through blank stairs and, and various other things. And, But but I'm the crippled guy, the former, the guy who used to be crippled, 47-year-old dude who is now fine walking around. So, you guys are looking serious, but I'm, you know, and maybe even just showing them a little bit because he says that, that he's there with them. It's like, Look at this, boys. Look at this. I got them. I got my legs back. This is good. And so, yeah, you guys are a little, little, little freaked out, a little, little scared. So, thanks, guys. So, so, what happens is these guys are saying, we can't deny it. We can't deny what's happened. And so, they huddle together and say, what should we do with these guys? I don't know. They're causing a bit of a problem. And you know, and, and the crowds are building, and, and you know, but we can't deny. I mean, you see the smile on that face? I mean, it's driving me crazy. The guy's just so cocky now because he's healed and he's got legs and he can walk. And but Here, here's the verdict, guys. Here's the verdict. The, the chief priest comes, and, and you guys can go because they're scared now thinking the crowds are going to revolt. I mean, we kind of, you know, got, got a little fortunate with Jesus. We escaped that one, but I don't know about this, guys. And so go just don't do anything in Jesus' name. Just, just don't, don't, don't do things in the name of Jesus, and, and we'll just all get along fine. So, and, and, and Peter hears this, and big mouth Peter, but listen to the boldness, listen to the boldness that he has, because Christ is in him, because he's been with Jesus, and, and, and he's, he's desiring to, to live in the power of the Holy Spirit, and, and, and he gets told, stop it, stop speaking in Jesus' name, and Peter in verse 19 says, sorry, uh, I can't. I have to obey God rather than you. So respectfully, I decline that command. And they head out the door. They take off. That took some courage, some boldness. From the guy who a few weeks earlier ran in in fear. I mean, he he was crippled with fear a few weeks earlier, and now he's strong and he's bold. Why? Why? Because Christ was in him. He had been with Jesus, but now Christ is in him. The second thing we end up seeing is that with Jesus, there is a boldness to endure opposition. I mean, this night in jail, I mean, a part of them were like, deja vu, this whole thing that happened to Jesus. He spent a night in jail, and then it's before the religious leaders. Is this going to happen? I mean, we're before the, the, the big guys, they're, they're getting ready for this, this big court appearance in the morning. And but there's a boldness and a firmness about them to endure this opposition. And this is just the start of the persecution of the church. This is the first instant that also now the gospel is starting to meet some, some issues. And it only gets worse from here. It ends up getting very, very bloody. In fact, in, in Acts chapter 12, John's brother, so remember John is one of the disciples that's here, but John's brother James, who was a disciple, not Jesus' brother, but the disciple James, in Acts chapter 12, had just been killed by Herod for preaching the gospel. And so Herod rounds up Peter. I don't know if you couldn't find John or whatever, but he says, bring Peter here. And he puts him in prison, and he puts two soldiers beside him. And, and then there's all kinds of other guards and, and, and that around the gates and everything. And what ends up happening? Peter gets delivered. But what's Peter doing when he's in prison? Thinking, well, James was just killed by the sword by Herod, and I guess I might be next. And what's Peter doing in prison? He's sleeping. He's sleeping. He's sleeping because he knew the peace that passeth all understanding because Christ was in him. And he could rest in the midst of an awful situation. Facing death, there was peace. There's boldness and strength to endure opposition, and it was only beginning. Folks, you've got to remember that there is no such thing as uncontested spiritual ground. The moment you say yes to following Jesus, the enemy starts to recruit some warriors, recruits, aligns, starts to build up to try to discourage you, dissuade you, divide you, to do whatever. And I've seen this over the years time and time again. Somebody says, hey, I desire to get baptized. I want to follow Jesus through the waters of baptism. You know what ends up happening? As soon as they go public, they fill out a card or they tell somebody or they're getting ready for it. You better believe there's a battle. And oftentimes, that battle will will re-engage again after they're baptized just to try to diminish or discourage the work that ended up happening. But that doesn't just happen at the moment of baptism. That, That happens anytime when we get serious. I'm going to start, you know, I want to get into God's Word more. I want to be part of this. I want to help out in this. I want to start serving in this area. You can expect opposition attack in a very real way when you say yes to Jesus. I want to start serving God in this area. I want to start giving sacrificially. Watch out. The expenses will hit hard, and you'll get tested in that. I've seen this sort of thing happen in relationships, when relationships are out of sort and 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 they've been reconciled and are working towards reconciliation, whether that's in a marriage or whether that's just in a work relationship or a church relationship or a, a people relationship or a sibling relationship. And, 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 and they're at odds with one another. But by the power of, of prayer and people working together with them, there's reconciliation. And it's just like, yes. And, and there's kumbaya moments. And it's, oh, this is so good. Those are the times you got to pray the hardest. It's after that. Because the enemy like to come and whisper things in your ear and tell you they didn't really mean that that's not what was said you weren't treated right that wasn't fair and you hear all this and this battle is going on and next thing you know the peace the unity the reconciliation that that happened is out the window why because the enemy doesn't want to see unity he wants to see people divided and discouraged i've seen this time and time again there's no such thing as uncontested spiritual ground, but with Jesus in the center of our lives, Jesus being filled with his power, his strength in our life, there's a, a power, a boldness to be able to endure the opposition. The last thing the enemy wants to see here in the city of Kelowna is to see a church like this planted, to see a church like this grow and thrive, especially when it's a church that is serious about these four pillars that we see on the side of our facility. And we're serious about God's Word. We're serious about lifting high the name of Jesus. I mean, that's what got the Satan kicked out of heaven in the first place, is he didn't like the way that Jesus was getting all of the worship. We believe firmly in the power of prayer. We believe that's where life, that's where the power and strength is. That's where the engine room is for a church, for our own lives. And we want to share the good news with people in our city with boldness. Do you think the enemy likes that? No. Is he going to bring attack, discouragement, infighting? disunity you better believe it he's going to do it in homes he's going to do it in relationships he's going to do it in the workplace so then you're tired and worn out from what's happening at work or in the home that 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 here then it's just you know oh why even go to church why even be part of something like that i'm just a failure i'm blah, blah 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 you know expect the attacks but don't put up with them don't put up with them so how do we endure the opposition well let's see what peter and john did in verse 23 it says, when they were released, this is after the guy said, so get out of here, get out of here. Just don't, just don't preach in the name of Jesus. Just don't say that Jesus guy's name. Just get out of here. So what do they do? When they were released, verse 23, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and elders said to them. And when they had heard it, they lifted their voices in protest. That's not fair. We're not going to take it. No, we're not going to take it. They did it to Jesus. We're not going to do this. Do they start a protest? Did they start a letter-writing campaign? Did they get on social media? I don't know. Maybe they scribed on rocks and just hucked them at people. I, I don't know how they, they, they got their message across there. Did they, did they start organizing and striving? Hey, we better, we better separate Peter and John because, you know, we can't lose them both. They're too valuable, and, and we better, you know, just do we have an insurance policy for Peter? I mean, if we lose him, I mean, what's going to happen here? I mean, and, and is, this, is this the kind of thing that's going on? No. It says, and when they heard it, when they heard this news, they lifted their voices together to God and they prayed. Prayer is the natural response. It was like breathing, it was just the natural thing. They saw what was going on, they heard what was going on, they went to prayer. It was just boom, boom. This is happening. What does the church do? What do we do as believers? We pray. And so they lift their voices up together in prayer and they prayed and and it says they were all filled with boldness why because they were filled again with the Holy Spirit you see when Jesus is not just with us or beside us or following us but in us there is boldness that we have in prayer boldness in prayer they get together with other believers and they get praying And boy, did they pray. In fact, they prayed so hard, and as they were praying, and they were just seeking the Lord, it ends up saying that room that they were praying in was shaken. But let's see how they prayed, because right away, they didn't start, okay, okay, God, help us, because this is what's happening. Let's look at how they prayed, because how they prayed is a very good model in a very good way how we should pray when we are in opposition, how we should pray when we are in trouble. And they set out in the... Just an incredible example here. And the first thing we end up seeing that they do here in in Acts chapter 4 is they start filling their minds with the truth of God, of God's Word. And they pray Scripture. And what they start to pray right at the very start is from Psalm chapter 2. That's what they start praying. And this is why it's so important that we know God's Word. This is why it's vital that we know God's Word in our life so that when stuff happens, the verses are there. That scripture is there for us to, to, to fill our minds. Charlotte has a brother-in-law um, who is a farmer but also works for a seed company in Saskatoon. And in October, when the shooting happened in Ottawa, he and his group of co-workers were right there when the shots started to go off. You can just go to that picture there. There's a great newspaper article. And... And I've copied, made a few copies of it, and, um, and it's available. Or you can email me, and I can just email you a link, and it will be better than the copy. The copy turned out a little poor. But one of the great things about there that, and, and Jim is a believer in Christ and, and loves the Lord, and he said when the bullets started firing and there was mass confusion and all of this is going on, you know what was the first thing that started coming to his mind? There was, first of all, this incredible peace. Other people were frantic, and he had peace. Let's take a look, if I can find it in here. He says, several, several were very traumatized, especially those with young children. Many thought that this was it for them, and they wanted to survive for their kids. He said, I was praying, and I, and a number of people asked me to pray for them. But a little earlier on, the thing that, that he brings out here that that happens is that he starts remembering God's Word. God's Word starts to get recalled in his life. And, and he says, one saw... One of the areas that was recalled was was Psalm 91. It says, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrows that fly by the day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. These verses are coming to mind because He's been someone who's been absorbing His Himself in the Word of God he's been getting to know the Word of God and when you have the Word of God You might think oh, I'm terrible at memorizing But as it gets in that thick skull of yours and it gets into your brain You just never know when it's gonna kick in and when you need it and Here it shows up and then there was some New Testament verses from Matthew 10 that came to mind are not two sparrows sold for a penny yet Not one of them will fall to the ground apart from the will of your father So don't be afraid you are worth more than the birds the air and these verses come to mind and, and just give him this incredible peace. I love this statement. It could be seen as a little corny and not always true, but I believe there's some truth here. It says, when you see a Bible that is falling apart, it is usually belongs to somebody who isn't. Now, you just might have a brand new Bible, so you say, Melvin, please don't look at my Bible because it's you know, not falling apart yet. I hope it's yet. That's why we need to know God's Word. That's why we need to meditate on God's Word and and have it as the fuel in our lives. That's why it's so important. Because the first thing they start praying here is Psalm chapter 2. And and listen to what it says in verse 24. And and here's what, what they see in this prayer. This is a great prayer. And it starts out with some pretty solid declarations in verse 24. So look at verse 24. It says, Sovereign Lord who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. So first of all, they say, God, you're the God of creation. God, you are the one who's made everything. God, you made. You've made all of this world. You've made us. You've allowed these kind of things. Well, we get into that part. But God, you are almighty, all powerful. You created this world. And they're establishing, reminding themselves of God's supreme power and control, not only just over the affairs that they're facing, but the world as a whole. You are the creator. But then, second of all, of all we see God, you're the God of revelation. You spoke. God, you spoke in verses 25 and 26. It says, Who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why do the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves up, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. So they're saying, Lord, you already revealed years ago by David that this was going to happen to your anointed. You said this was going to happen. You revealed it. You already spoke this. So we shouldn't be surprised by it and then thirdly you're the god of history you decided you're the one who has allowed these things to take place you have predestined all of this in verse 28 they say those words god you have predestined this you knew this was going to happen this was all part of your plan they were accepting what was happening to them right there, right now, as part of the Almighty God's plan for their lives? He wasn't surprised. Oh, you get a little opposed by by the teachers of the law. Oh, facing a little trouble. It wasn't a surprise to him. He was. He made. He spoke. He decided. He predestined all of this to happen. And this is why, again, it's so important that we know God's word. And as they, could, they didn't quote this part, but as you keep reading Psalm 2, I just love it. I wish they would have included it, but we can go to it and we can take a look at it because it ends up saying, you know what God does to, you know, when you have these people who are causing opposition in your life and you think, oh, they're going to destroy me. Oh, you know, I'm just, I, I'm destroyed. You know, what, you know what God's reaction is? He laughs. He scoffs. It's just like that little chihuahua that barks and barks and, and, and comes a- after you and, and it's, you know, or any kind of small dog and it's just like, whoa, you know, and, and yeah, they might have a bit of a, a, a bark and maybe even a little bit of a nip to them, but it's like, puppy, I could squash you like a bug. And, and oftentimes that's the way it is. I mean, we see what's coming at us so much bigger and, and God, he scoffs at him. He says, this is nothing. This is absolutely nothing. This is they're trying and they have a big bark. They have no bite. This is why we need to know God's word and have the right view and the understanding of what is happening at times because at times what can be happening to us can be so hard and so confusing. This is important. Please get this, folks. Right now, with what you are facing in your life today, the battles, the issues, the fight, the fear, the anxiety, whatever it is that you are facing today, right now, it's all part of God's plan for you. He's allowed these things to have happened. I'm not saying that God has delighted in these things that are happening to you. I'm not saying that God has caused these things because sometimes the things that have happened to us have been a result of our own doing or the result of other hurtful people in our lives. But we must recognize that in everything, God has a sovereign plan and a purpose. And you know what that is? To glorify Jesus through what you're going through. To glorify Jesus in your life. Instead of just trying to get through the pain and and look for sunnier and warmer days... In order to just get through the difficulty, we've got to ask ourselves, God, what is it you are wanting to teach me? How are you wanting to transform me through what I am facing? These things that I'm going through right now, God, you're sovereign. You're in control. You made, you spoke, you decided. Help me to understand this. Make me bold. Help me in this. Empower me. And so often we pray, oh, God, just... You know, if that person would just change, if God would just smarten that person up and they would stop being so foolish or or so frustrating in my life, and God's like, no, let me change you. We want to keep changing everyone else and change the circumstance, and God's like, no, it starts with you. Yeah, maybe those other situations, those, those people do need to change, and God does need to do the work in there, but primarily, his first focus is your life and my life and what he's wanting to do. You know the verse psalm 46 verse 10 it's on mugs it's on cards be still and know that i am god and so we like okay i just, you know i just need to get biblical i just need to get still it doesn't mean have a nap it doesn't mean do nothing it doesn't mean you know I, I just need to take a break from from church or from fellowship or from serving you know the bible says be still be still and know i'm just being still no what's the next part it says i will be exalted be still and know that i am god because god goes on to say i will be exalted." i want to be exalted. so get still cut your mouth turn your brain off from thinking of all these different things and be still and say okay god how do you want to be exalted in what i'm facing right now how are you going to bring good to that frustrating person that's driving me crazy He says, no, I want to be exalted in you. A tough situation you're facing in the workplace. Home life. Finances. Say, just be better. Just be better if. God say, no. We may do that work in and through you. God, how, how can you be exalted in this? How can your power be made great in my weakness and in my frustration? Number four, you see. Here in this prayer, as they pray a bold prayer, that God, you're a God of action. Now, God, get working. This is where they've, they've, they've understood God, you've made, you spoke, you decided, but now here comes the ask. Notice how far down the big ask comes. Usually, the, the big ask that we have starts with, at the beginning of our prayer. Look, it's coming towards the end of the prayer here. And he said, now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants... keep us safe keep us warm keep us fed do they pray for that Uh uh-uh they don't pray for that there's nothing wrong with praying for for protection but the first thing they pray for is give us boldness help us to to keep going not to pack it in not to cower not to become afraid God send an earthquake and destroy those men just swallow them up and, and and make that opposition Send some giant hailstones. Bunk them on the head, knock them silly, give them concussions, give them amnesia, whatever. They could say, God, you've done it before. You've given hailstones and you've bunked people on the head and you've had an earthquakes swallow people. Do it. Here. No. you are not praying for this, the destruction of the enemy. In reality, they're praying for the salvation of those. And we know that because they were praying for a guy like Paul who ended up getting sick. That's a whole other story, isn't it? Oh, I love that one. God, give us boldness to speak. Give us strength to endure. Here's an, a really good statement. If you're fast at writing, I encourage you to write this down. Um, and if you're not, go online, you can listen to it again. But maybe I'll even say it twice. Before they asked for a positive outcome, and there's nothing wrong with that, they prayed for a faithful spirit within them. Before... They asked for a positive outcome. They prayed for a faithful spirit within them. Lord, may be faithful. May we be bold. May we be able to keep going. Lord, make us strong. Make us bold. And now, stretch out your hand and heal. Bring healing. And look what happens. The result, result of this kind of a prayer, this is an earth-shaking prayer. And when they had prayed, the place in which they gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Prayers were answered. Before, when the earth would shake, people would be in fear of God, whether it was on Mount Sinai when the law was given. Later on, even when Jesus died, the earth would shake and people were afraid. Now, the earth shakes. And they're empowered they're filled with boldness they're like let's go come on what are we waiting for and look at the further results this is what i love this is this is the goal this is the touchdown when it comes to the church when it comes to what he wants to do in and through my life and your life and here at harvest and around the world in the body of christ Verse 32, now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And no one said they had any of these things that belonged to him. It Belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were given the, giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands and houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as they had need. What was the result? Boldness, unity, oneness, putting others' needs ahead of their own, a generosity. You have a need, let me help. Power, great grace was upon them. This bold proclamation. This life, this power, this boldness, this amazing story and what took place in the book of Acts just is not a nice little story from history. But folks, I believe with all my heart it can happen today. I'm convinced of it. Why? Because God's word declares it. This kind of community, this kind of generosity and power and boldness, and people getting saved everywhere, and the and and the and the gospel setting like wildfire. Why? Because they were people of prayer. They were people who were being filled on a daily basis with the power of the Holy Spirit. It wasn't my way or the highway. It was His way, and I'll do it anyway, and I'll do it always. People of prayer, people who are surrendered, people who would pray and seek the Lord not just for easier lives, but for stronger backs and for greater boldness. Oh, I pray that we would be bold individuals. I pray we would be a bold church, even this Christmas season, as we're coming into this crazy season of Christmas. There's an opportunity for you to be bold. I kind of chuckle, and, and, and um, at times I go to extreme lengths to kind of poke fun at this kind of mentality and... Um, and sometimes then the Christian, the Christian community's reaction towards it is, is how at Christmas it seems uh, they're trying to take the word Christmas out of Christmas, right? They're making it the holiday season, the festive season. And I texted my brother the other day, true confession. You know what? You can um, forgive me after. Um, and, and I said to him, I said, oh, I'm putting up our festive lights today. Just to get a reaction out of him, right? Because it seemed, oh, Christmas lights. It's got to be Christmas. Don't take the sea out of Christmas. You know what? Uh, we took the sea out of Christmas. We took the Christ out of Christmas, I mean, in, in so many ways, a long time ago. But we can keep bringing him back in. We've participated in the materialism and different things. And yes, we see what is going on in our world. But I'm not saying, let's be a bold, church. Let's declare Christmas. Right, Christmas. You know, when 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 a waiter or, or waitress or, or um, you know, somebody at the store says, happy holidays, and you go, merry Christmas you know, and kind of give them that, you know, a little phlegm to it, you know. I'm not saying be bold like that, you know, and, and make a statement because we're about the big sea of Christmas. We're about the Christ. Of, yeah, let's be about the Christ of Christmas by truly sharing him by taking an interest in the lives of others. And what Jesus did, he considered others better than our own selves. i calling you to great boldness to not stand on street corners and, and declare, Jesus is the reason for the season. And, 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 and that's good. And, and I don't want to totally slam it, but let's not get obsessed with it. I want to talk about some boldness for beginners, something practical, and then we're going to worship. It's Boldness for beginners starts with seeing something when nothing would be easier. You have a moment, you have an opportunity to say something to someone, to maybe enter into the pain of what they're talking about or what's going on in their life, and you have an opportunity to just say, hey, would it be all right? And you very rarely get turned down on this one. Would it be all right if I prayed to you? You know, as they're sharing what's going on, and and maybe there's hurt or discouragement or fear. Yeah, it it might weird them out a little, and it might weird you out a little bit, but people will. And take what is going on in their life to the one who can make the biggest difference. You can pray even the gospel over them by thanking Jesus for what He has done in your life, how He has forgiven your sins, and and how you have a relationship with Him. Take that opportunity to get into the lives of other people by asking some questions, by showing some compassion and some concern for them. Start by saying something when nothing would be easier. Take advantage of opportunities when they present themselves. Take that genuine interest in, in people's lives. Just start asking them some questions. You're going to find out really quickly where they're hurting. Just ask them, where are you spending Christmas this year? Oh, you don't even want to go there. But they do want to go there, and so ask, ask a little further. Say, why? What's going on? Oh, hey, you know what? I'm going to pray for you. And then afterwards, if you get the opportunity to... Say, hey, how was Christmas? How did this go in your life? How, 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 how is this, this happening? Hey, I'm going to send you a Bible verse that, that could really, you know, and then either it's in your tool belt already, Bible verses you know, or start searching for a Bible verse that would help them. Say, hey, give some encouragement from God's Word. I don't know, it's just something that, that might help you, might encourage you. Send them an email, a text message. Send them a note. You love them, that you care, that take an interest. Maybe you don't say you love them right away. Um, that might really freak them out, but show that genuine care and compassion. Offer to pray for them. Sit with someone different at lunch or at that event that you go to. That where it would be so easy to sit with the friends. Look for that person that you could sit with. Give them a Bible. <laughs> Take one of our Bibles. And give it to them. Give them as a gift. Say, here. This this word is word. These are words from God for you and for me. Invite them to church. Invite them to come to this church that meets in a school. Invite them to the family feast on December 17th. Let us love them and get to know them and and see God do a work in their life. Boldness, that we would have bold words when we need to, but also bold in our love and our care and our compassion for others, going the extra mile to talk to people. Those bold baby steps, can lead and will lead a changed person. And one of the greatest people that he's going to change or the person first he's going to change is you. He's giving you the power and strength because you're relying on the power of the Holy Spirit in your own life. That's where it starts. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I pray for each person here today that they would not leave this worship this place of worship today without knowing that they are in Christ. If they do not know Jesus in a personal way, may they speak to myself or to someone else here that could just lead them into the most important relationship. To not just have Christ beside them, but to have Christ inside. Lord, I pray that we would also be people that would be filled daily the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives to live bold lives for you not fanatic lives the lives that are on fire for the gospel because you're changing and you're transforming us like Peter and John who went to their friends Lord, I pray that we would even have the boldness at times to go to our friends and say hey I'm in trouble I need somebody to pray with me Need somebody to hold me accountable. So Peter and John, they they went to the boys, they went to the the group, to the guys, to the gals that they knew would be there for them. And Lord, I pray that Harvest Kelowna would be a place where people could know they will be loved and cared for and prayed for. And the small group ministry starts in the new year. Lord, I pray that it would be a place not just for fellowship and conversation but for the deepening of our walk with you and with one another Lord I pray that we would look for the opportunities today and this week to serve you to go out of our way may we see we're not overqualified or underqualified but we are called by you to be servants to give of ourselves and Lord we know that as we do that that we will reap harvest we don't give up may we not give up thank you that you are almighty and all powerful and through the good times through the hard times you can believe what your word says you are faithful you are true and I pray for those who are walking through the valley of the shadow of death or discouragement or frustration or anger Oh, would they not fear any evil, but would they know your power and your strength walking not just beside them, but inside of them. God, do that work in and through us. May the song of worship be one of a true prayer in our lives today.